This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 464. I call them treadmill verbs because like being on a treadmill, you can report forever. You can review forever. There's no way to know when you're done. If you ask someone to communicate or share or inform, it's an invitation to just talk without any clarity about what needs to be different when they're done. Organizations are stressed. Innovation and global competition have become the source of relentless pressure. Customers have never had higher expectations. Corporate efforts to improve everyday productivity and boost profits are producing diminishing returns. Yet a new frontier of enormous opportunity to improve results is hidden in plain sight. Hi, I'm Jeff Brown, and this is the Read to Lead podcast. It's the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, that intentional and consistent reading is a must. We are joined most weeks by a successful and inspiring author, and we chat about one of their books and their insights on things like personal and professional development, leadership, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, entrepreneurship, and much more. Today, we'll be joined by author Anne Latham. And if that name sounds a little bit familiar to you, it's because she was just here a few months ago. This time, we're talking about her book, The Power of Clarity, Unleash the True Potential of Workplace Productivity, Confidence, and Empowerment. I'm going to be asking Anne about clarity blindness and how it prevents us from recognizing the everyday things that cost us, why clarity in the moment is more important than big picture clarity, the biggest enemies of focus in the workplace, I'm guessing you have a few ideas, and much, much more. If you've yet to join the Read to Lead community online, what are you waiting for? Why would you not want to get access to a free business book summary every single week? In fact, just this past weekend, I added a brand new category to our previously seven categories of books. That new category of books is called Artificial Intelligence. I know, right? A topic that indeed deserves its its own category. Added our first AI book in that category this past weekend. Again, adding new books every week to categories like leadership, habits, productivity, mindset, and much more. Access to the book summaries is free, and it's free to join the community. By the way, that may not always be the case. So get in now while the getting's good. You go to jeffbrown.me. Get those free book summaries every week, but also other content I'm publishing in the community and nowhere else. Again, it's jeffbrown.me, and it's absolutely free. That's Jeff Brown, my name, J-E-F-F-B-R-O-W-N dot me. Ann Latham has been dubbed the queen of clarity by colleagues worldwide. She's the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, The Disconnect Principle, which Ann is the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, The Disconnect Principle, which she talked about on this very show just a few months ago, plus the Clarity Papers and Uncommon Meetings. She's also founder of U.S.-based consulting firm Uncommon Clarity. Her clients represent over 40 industries and range from organizations like Boeing, Hitachi, and Medtronic to nonprofits like the Public Broadcasting Service, the United Way, and colleges and universities. Anne's advice has appeared in publications like the New York Times, Bloomberg, and Management Today, and she's also an expert blogger for Forbes.com. She also speaks frequently to a wide range of audiences and is a guest lecturer for the University of Massachusetts Eisenberg School of Management. The book of hers that we're digging into today, it's the modern classic called The Power of Clarity. Unleash the true potential of workplace productivity, confidence, and empowerment. 
Well, Ann, welcome back to the show. It seems like we just did this uh, because we did. It's been, what, a few weeks or a couple of months, but I'm excited to have you back to talk about what is, I think, your your legacy book. So so welcome once again. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Yeah, it's great to be back. It is, it is fairly recent, but it was a lot of fun last time, so I'm looking forward to this. This might be the new record for the quickest turnaround with an author. So, so you hold that record. Uh, maybe I need to create a certificate for you <laughs> to that effect. But I want to dive right into uh, the power of clarity. I want you to talk first off about clarity blindness, this thing that affects all of us. How does clarity blindness prevent us from recognizing the, the everyday things that, that cost us? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about clarity blindness because this we are blind to the lack of clarity that surrounds us. And so the first chapter of the book is we aren't as clear as we think we are, and it's costly. And I had to start that way because people don't recognize how unclear we are. When I named my company Uncommon Clarity years ago, and I went out into the world and, and said that was the name of my company, inevitably people would say, well, I could use some of that. But the truth is they they don't realize the extent to which they need it. So it's just like mom and apple pie. It's a good thing. Clarity is a good thing. Everyone knows it's a good thing. But there's no urgency there because they don't understand the extent to which it's missing. So I start off talking about, you know, here are examples of what I've coined the term disclarity mm. so that you start to see the waste and the problems that you're you're not even recognizing are worth fixing. So for instance, there you know we we are well aware of problems like an unhappy customer or you know slip schedules or delays in things or poor quality or missing parts or you know whatever all those kinds of standard things. Mm. But what we don't realize is the extent to which things like vague requests cause trouble. Mm. For instance, I tell a story in the book about a vice president who turned to his brand new marketing director and said, you know, I, I want you to look into the idea of putting sun cream dispensers in public parks because we're a hospital conglomeration. And this would be really handy for parents. They'd be able to, you know, quick put the sun cream on the kids and we would be branded. Everyone would love this. Mm. And so this new employee wants to impress the vice president. So she runs off and investigates everything from permit requirements to maintenance costs, to ongoing maintenance, to risks, to competitive efforts along these lines. And then she comes back like three weeks later and says, here you go. Here's my recommendation. And the vice president just rolls his eyeballs because all he wanted was a gut reaction that said this was a bad idea so that he could tell another vice president that, boy, is that a dumb idea. Mm. That's all he wanted. But he never, ever recognized the fact that it was his ridiculously vague request, look into this, that caused the trouble. Mm. You know, meanwhile, Jen and her team of three or four people have lost the better part of three weeks. They are demoralized. The team's probably lost respect for Jen. The boss has certainly lost respect for Jen. Jen probably thinks the boss has, you know, thrown her under the bus. Meanwhile, the, the vice president hires me to coach this woman to make her judgment better. <laughs> <laughs> and no one ever connected the dots and realized this is just a vague request. Mm. And this might sound like a bizarre story, but I could tell you lots of stories like this because this happens all the time. And that's just one example. So we don't see it. We're clarity blind. 
Yeah. And you make a distinction too related to this between production processes, physical things, and cognitive processes. Compare where we are with regard to clarity and much of our production processes with where we find ourselves as to the level of clarity with our cognitive processes and those, those two dynamics. Right. So we've made, many organizations have made tremendous strides in the last several decades, the lean thinking, the quality improvement efforts, mm. um, Six Sigma and all the TQM, all these kinds of efforts have made it so our production processes, and that's not just talking about factory production, but also anything that that an organization does to deliver the goods or the services for which customers are willing to pay. So we've streamlined those processes, everything from, you know, parts coming in the door to the final uh, product being shipped, or, you know, if you're processing loan applications at a bank, getting the the application in and getting it through the approval process and making the, the loan, those processes have all been really well defined. They're streamlined. They have clear roles and responsibilities, clear criteria for success. It's They're very clear. Everything is very clear about those processes. But when you move away from those production processes in the direction of the CEO and all of the managers and knowledge workers and the people who aren't actually moving products or services through the organization, that's the clarity drops off precipitously mm. because all of a sudden, The objectives aren't clear, priorities aren't clear, roles and responsibilities aren't clear, and there's much more wasted time and effort, but we don't see that. We accept that as business as usual. But boy, that the floor better not go down. You know, things better keep moving through the assembly line because otherwise, you know, the bells and whistles go off and everyone knows there's a problem. People don't realize there's a problem because we know, for instance, meetings which can take up like, you know, 20 to 30% of the average employee's time and up to 100% of the the CEO's time, most people will tell you that most meetings waste a tremendous amount of time. And that complaint has been around my entire life, which isn't really short. So while we've made these tremendous strides in our production processes, we still don't know how to run meetings that are short and powerful. And that, by the way, is totally caused by a lack of clarity. You point out too, related to meetings, as I recall later in the book, that some believe that, well, the way to fix that is to go into a meeting with an agenda. Right. <laughs> you say that's that's a good start, but that's not that's not really enough, is it? Yeah. When when the whole idea that we have got to have an agenda, I'm not even going to go unless there's an agenda, and agendas became the you know absolutely mandatory, pretty mm-hmm. much. And, all we accomplished was the proliferation of really bad agendas because <laughs> agendas are filled with what I call treadmill verbs or worse, nouns. You know? mm. So you have people in meetings who are asked to report or review or share or inform or communicate. These words are all over our agendas. Mm. And those, I call them treadmill verbs because like being on a treadmill, you can report forever. You can (laughs) review forever. There's Mm. no way to know when you're done. If you ask someone to communicate or share or inform, it's an invitation to just talk without any clarity about what needs to be different when they're done. What specifically are you asking them to achieve? But those are that's what fills our meetings. And then we wonder why at the end of the meeting, 
nothing got accomplished. And that's the thing I really wanted to key in on is not going or allowing yourself to ever go into a meeting without asking that question, what's going to be different when this is over? And unless you're asking that, you shouldn't be having the meeting, right? Exactly. And that's like my trademark question. Mm. What needs to be different when you're done? And it applies to meetings. It applies to sitting alone at your desk. It applies Mm. to a big project, applies to anything. But what concrete, tangible thing do you need to accomplish to move things forward. Mm. And the good news is that while there are tons of treadmill verbs that can keep you talking forever, there's really only six destination verbs Mm. that have destinations that get you, that, that accomplish something, that unleash next steps. And so if you change your whole agenda to focusing on destination verbs and eliminate all those treadmill verbs, you will be one giant step farther ahead in the world of clarity. Mm, what, what are some of those verbs, if you don't mind sharing? Okay. Number one is decide. If you think about decisions, decisions are likely the most important activity any of us do, both at our jobs and away from our jobs, mm. because decisions are those forks in the road. And when you make a decision, you've unleashed next steps. So deciding is a concrete, tangible outcome that unleashes next steps. And the other part is that when you decide you've made a decision, you're done. You know you're done. You can't talk forever. We're done now. We've agreed, right? (laughs) So you move on. So number two is to plan. Plan like, you know, you make a decision, you make a plan, you're done. So that's the second one. You, we have to be a little careful here, though, because I know people who can turn plan into a treadmill verb by planning forever. Yep. But <laughs> you need plans. They are concrete, they're tangible, and they unleash next steps. The third one is resolve. Resolve a problem, problem resolution. Mm. So figure out what you're going to do about a problem. When you figure it out, you're done. The fourth is a little different, and it's a list. We all know what lists are. It's easy to know when the list is done because you've run out of things to put on the list, but it's important that the list is an input to those other three. So for instance, when you're making a decision, you should need a list of decision criteria. How will we know a good decision when we find one? Secondly, you need a list of alternatives. These are the options. You need a list of risks. So these are lists that are inputs to the decision process. And it's easy to know when you're done. If you've listed as many alternatives as you can think of, you've created a tangible outcome that moves things forward, that unleashes next steps. Mm. Same is true with plans and problem resolutions. You can read about those processes in my book. You can read about all of them in The Power of Clarity. But there are concrete steps that help you decide, plan, and resolve problems. And lists are really important inputs to those processes. So the fourth one is approve. I'm sorry, and that's the fifth one. So when you've made your plan, you probably need approval to implement. You know, are we ready? That's approve. And that unleashes next steps because now you can move the plan forward. And the last one is sort of like approve. And I love this one. It's confirm. And I know we've all been in meetings where someone comes in and they say, you know, I've done X and I'm about to do Y. Am I on the right track? And all they want is a yes or a no. Mm. And instead, that's not what they get. Instead, 
They get all kinds of helpful advice. They get war stories. They get people telling about step 10 and they're working on step one. They're not even listening. They've just been told that, yes, you've done X and you want to do Y and that sounds good. And all they want to do is to go back to their desk and do Y. (laughs) So quit talking already. (laughs) So if you decide, plan, resolve, list, confirm or approve, You've unleashed next steps. You have a concrete, tangible outcome. It's easy to tell you've got it and you can move forward. And those are really the only six outcomes that any meeting needs to accomplish if you want to get something done. Do these also play into the concept you call cruising with with confidence and, and helping make that level of confidence possible? Yeah, you know, I define clarity as knowing exactly what you're trying to accomplish. And it's things like we just talked about, mm-hmm. knowing how you're going to get there. What's that process you're going to follow, like the process to make a decision? Who do you need to work with to make it happen? And do you have the focus and the resources you need so you can get down and get to work? So to me, that's what clarity is all about. And when you have that clarity, when you know exactly what you're trying to accomplish, how, how well, with whom, and with the ability to focus, you can cruise with confidence. That's when we get in the zone. That's when we nail things. That's when we get things done really quickly. And that's when we, with that confidence, we, you know, that, that clarity of what we're trying to achieve, that's when we can knock down walls and remove obstacles. So that's that feeling you get when you're super productive. Unfortunately, I've had seen many studies uh, and I've seen through my own experience that if you ask people, what part of the day am I cruising with confidence when I'm ultra confident and ultra productive? The answer is often maybe two hours a day, 20 to 25 percent. Wow. Because, you know, on the factory floor on the, or the production processes, it's much, much higher. And for, you know, solopreneurs who don't have anyone bugging them, they think theirs is really high too. It's not necessarily true, but there's a lot of employees out there, especially those knowledge workers and managers who instead they're dealing with vague requests like look into this. They're, they're chasing email. You know, they're spending 28% of their time just sifting through email. Mm. They're juggling their to-do lists. You know, I wrote an article once called 21 games people play with to-do lists. <laughs> and it's all those things we do, like rewrite the to-do list, uh, break big tasks down into smaller tasks so we can check them off more readily, uh, load our to-do list into an electronic tool. Oh, no, take it out of the electronic tool, you know, to juggling it around. Every minute that you spend looking at that to-do list and trying to figure out, gee, which ones are the high priorities? Which ones are the urgent priorities? You know, all these games we play is time taken away from accomplishing something that needs to be done to, you know, provide value to customers who are willing to pay. You know, and it's funny, uh, and you referenced this in the book too, that often when we use the word priority, we almost never use it in the singular. It's almost always in the plural. <laughs> but the more we have, the less a priority those things really are, right? That's right. And you know, what's funny is that back before about 1950, priority was always singular because mm. it came from a Latin word for which there was no plural form. Ah, I didn't know that. There was no plural form for the Latin word for priority. And so it was always singular. It's the apex. It's the top. It's the most important. Mm. And somewhere in about the 50s, or I think it was, 
people started talking about multiple priorities. And I condemn that person, you know, because the reality is you can only do one thing at a time. You know, you can only really concentrate on one thing at a time. So you need to know your top priority. You can have a couple things out in the wings that you know that you'll get to when there's a break, when you're waiting for someone else, when you need to do, you know, shift gears. But you have to know what the priority is. And anytime we spend juggling those priorities is a waste. And that, by the way, having too many priorities is a perfect example of a complete lack of clarity. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know for for many of us, myself at least, uh, I'll speak for me, that getting to those priorities or priority starts with annual planning, quarterly planning, breaking that down into what's going on this month, this week, today, you know, drilling down further and further still. And all those things are, are well and good, but you say it's the, the clarity in the moment that, that's, that's most important. Why, why is that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The big picture clarity, knowing exactly what you're trying to accomplish on the big picture and the long term is just as important as at other levels, you know, and whether it's in a meeting or someplace else. But the, the biggest problem, of course, there is that we don't decide and narrow it down and get to the priorities. We're too, too broad. We're too diverse. Mm. But what happens is that anything you're trying to achieve is achieved by taking a lot of little steps, right? You know, it's all those little actions. Mm. So if I know exactly what I'm trying to accomplish and I'm charging along getting things done, and I, that's when I have that clarity in the moment. That's when I have that, that real confidence and I'm cruising with confidence, right? Mm. And so it's that clarity in the moment that actually gets things done. And so the, the more focused and clear and efficient you are, the faster you do the little things, those little things add up to the big things. You know, So you can have this wonderful, great plan for the big things you want to accomplish, but it's that, what am I doing right now? What's going to be different at the end of the next half hour? What's going to be different before lunchtime? What's going to be different by the end of the week? You need that level of clarity to drive through things and be productive and get those big things done. Mm. I want to quote from the book now, one that stuck out to me, and, and I'm, I'm not doing the whole quote. I'm kind of truncating it a little bit, but it goes something like this. Employees filling multiple jobs and swimming in a sea of priorities isn't lean, it's mean. Employees yeah. have to be able to focus. What, and in your view, are the biggest enemies of, of our focus as employees, as, as knowledge workers? It's breaking things up, breaking up our time by making us go to meetings. Mm. And there would be one thing if those meetings are productive, but too often they aren't very productive. It's just trying to stay on top of your email. It's the um, distractions we get from incoming email. Email has a way of throwing things on our to-do list, to-do list, you know, mm-hmm. the, the unofficial way. Some of the other distractions are what we do when we save a meeting. You know, I'm sure you've been in meetings where people know that, you know, you've got to get something done. You got to come out of there with action items. You got to be sure that we're, you know, we didn't waste our time. So after having probably a fairly, what I call kitchen sink conversation that wandered all over the place and didn't necessarily accomplish anything. Mm. At the end of meetings, people tend to go, you know, what action items we have now? And so they might've had a lovely conversation. It might've had nothing to do with the strategic priorities or any other priorities, but they dream up things to do to put on people's to-do lists (laughs) so (laughs) that they save the meeting from being a waste. So these things that keep, whether it's coming in through email or, or through these meetings, they keep adding stuff to your to-do list, 
gets you into that game of juggling priorities. So those to me are huge. And then, of course, you know, we live in an era where there's just so many inputs coming in. And and a lot of times we are our biggest distraction. Uh, Finally, I'd be curious to know your reading habits, Uh, not specifically like what you're reading or what you're recommending. I asked you a question along those lines last time. But as an author, I'm guessing you're probably reading the work of others on occasion, uh, or if not, maybe even fiction or, or reading for entertainment. How much time a week would you say you you give to reading? And and what kinds of books are you typically reading? Are they nonfiction, fiction? Is it all over the map? Yeah, it's, I read lots. I read lots. And I, I read some news, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's quite a bit of time. But I mostly like to read fiction or historical fiction, biographies, that kind of thing. I believe that I learn from all of that about people and about cultures, about the way people think. And I think that is necessary to be a strong leader. Mm. You know, I, I read on a Kindle and it's an old Kindle. So I never know what the title of the book is I'm reading. <laughs> so, <laughs> When people ask about books, it's like, oh no, I don't remember what the title is. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> but, like me. <laughs> yeah, but I read I read a ton. And um, one book I read recently, for example, that, that gives you an idea is called The Road from Kurain. And it's by Jill Kerr Conway. And she ended up being the president of Smith College back just a little while ago. But she grew up in the bush country of Australia. And her story about what it was like to live in the bush and to eke out a living, um, raising sheep and to deal with the weather. I, I felt like I learned so much about Australian geography and land and, and the animals and stuff like that. But then I also feel like I learned a lot about, I mean, she she faced a lot of discrimination, both as a poor child and as a woman. But it, the other fascinating piece was that she was kind of raised to you know be part of the British Empire. And she realizes mm-hmm. that her Australian identity and her British Empire identity were two completely different things. Mm. And they needed to, as Australians, pay a little more attention to their Australian identity and not strive to be British. Mm. <laughs> so it was it's a wonderful book. I, I recommend it. But that's the kind of book that I really enjoy. Mm. Well, the kind of book I really enjoy are the kind of books Anne writes. Uh, and the most Yay. recent one she's written is called The Power of Clarity Unleash the True Potential of Workplace Productivity, Confidence, and Empowerment. And uh, it's been great to have you here a second time. Anne times two, never a bad thing. Thank you so much, Jeff. That was fun. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Anne at the show notes page for this episode, which, by the way, is at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 464. I will also include a link to our last interview from a few months ago where we talked about that other book of hers. Again, all that and other links and resources can be found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 464. And don't forget not to hesitate any longer on joining the free, for now, Read to Lead community. Get your free book summary every week and other content I'm publishing exclusively in the community. And having just added that new business book summary category for artificial intelligence, I just picked up yesterday a book called AI 2041, 10 Visions for Our Future. I can't wait to dive in. It's only 438 pages long. I'm a glutton for, well, this kind of punishment anyway. One more time, the Read to Lead community, come join us. Over 330 people in there right now. It's at jeffbrown.me. Next time on the show, we'll be bringing in Chuck Weisner. He's author of a brand new book called The Art of Conscious Conversations, transforming how we talk, listen, and interact. That's next week 
on the Read to Lead podcast. Well, that's it for this week. Hope to see you next time. Until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.